Hello and welcome to Ship It Shout It, your product management and product marketing podcast. With me today, I have Daniel Thomason. Hi. He's covering product management. And I'm Lena Höck and I'm covering product marketing. This is our last mini series today. So we're starting the last one, which is exciting. And mm -hmm. it's about Mars colonization, which cool. is also exciting. Yeah. And secretly, I think my favorite one. Oh. I kept it to last. Oh, my favorite was the D&D &D one. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And I'll hand over to Daniel next to talk us through kind of what we're talking about today. Yeah. So remember, just in case you haven't tuned in for the last ones or if you've forgotten in the last couple of days, uh, each of these mini series covers three episodes. One is on discovery. That'll be today's one. Then the second one's on delivery and the last one's on launch and post-launch considerations. Mm -hmm. So as I said, today is discovery. And for that, we're specifically honing in on this idea of market analysis, which is kind of one of the aspects that you'd want to think about as a product manager and a product marketer when you're contemplating, I mean, should we even enter enter this market at all, yeah, I guess, right? Absolutely. And I feel kind of weird saying this, but the first thing that we should be asking ourselves here is, what is the problem we're solving for this audience? This That is usually a very Daniel yeah, thing to what, say. What's happening? <laughs> We've gone through to the, to the upside down. <laughs> Maybe I am the product manager. Oh my now. God. <laughs> um, so yeah, first question here before we're even kind of looking at our market is like, okay, what problem are we solving? Mm -hmm. And I think with the mass colonization, to me, it's all about giving people a second chance. It's kind of this like start your new life, have a fresh start on Mars um, and I guess that's then in terms of sort of the audience a little bit, like maybe that's interesting for anyone who feels like they didn't get a fair treatment or they are stuck in a situation that they really want to get away from, something like that. So I think the, the second chance fresh start is one side of it. Probably another side is enabling new age pioneers, I called it. So some, some sort of like um catering to the adventurous group and you know most of planet earth is discovered and there's not much else i guess to see like you can't really walk off into the rainforest or cross a desert anymore it's all been done mm. so maybe this is the new age pioneer thing you want to be the next Marco Polo or whatever. Yeah, you. exactly. Yeah, true. Okay, so we know we know what problem we're solving or at least for whom we're kind of mm -hmm. solving it, right? Yeah. Um so then now that we know the the target audience or the target user group, one important question to ask is, okay, for this market, is this something we even want to get into? Um, because for the company, so say you're at an existing company or you're just contemplating whether it's worth throwing resources after something, it's worth asking, is this going to be something where we can thrive as a company and, and make money, I guess? Or is this going to be just a really... Uh, unappealing, un unprofitable situation to get mm -hmm. into. Yeah, And there's a few ways of thinking about this. I mean, this is kind of quite standard business school, MBA sort of fair. But right. one of the most popular um, and kind of easy to grok is this Porter's Five Forces, ana forces Analysis Model. Mm -hmm. um, and it's named after a, a professor at the Harvard Business School. I think this is super old, this model. I don't know if he's even still there. Mm -hmm. Um and it sort of looks at these these five kind of aspects of the market that you're getting into um, and how 
how difficult it's going to be to operate in that market based on these five forces. Right, okay. Um, so maybe we can, let's just walk through those and then look at Mars colonization. How does it apply to that? And mm-hmm. it's a bit of a weird market to get into, but I think it still <laughs> is going to give us some good insights. Yeah. So the first one is uh, like, what's the threat of new entrants into your into, into your market? Mars. Yeah, well, <laughs> into Mars or at least into the kind of... Or into the space yeah, of like colonizing new mm-hmm. planets kind yep, of yep. thing. Um, and so the threat of new entrants here, I, my read is that it's kind of possible, but pretty unlikely. Um, right. I'm guessing, so similar to things like telecommunications or other things with a very heavy physical component yeah. um, in the fixed costs of setting them up. I think colonizing new planets is likely to be a natural monopoly for yeah. a long time yeah, until yeah. we kind of commoditize space travel to the extent where it's sort of trivially cheap, at like see sort of Star Wars, Star Trek style mm-hmm. universes where everyone's got their own personal little spacecraft and like mm-hmm. your X-Wing fighter and stuff. So mm-hmm. until we get to that world, huge economies of scale and hence I think the extent is it's such a natural monopoly that if you're the first there and if you're the established player, you're unlikely to face new entrants, I think. Not cool. for a while. Okay. Yeah. So no race to Mars or anything like I that. I don't think so. Not at this point. It's possible. Um, but, well, we'll get to that a little bit later, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, then there's the threat of substitutes to the market that you're in. And so this is kind of what could people buy or switch to apart from Mars colonization. Right. And so this, I think this is the more interesting aspect of it. So Mars mm-hmm. colonization... Um, as you said, like the, the audience we're solving this for are people who want a second chance, fresh start. They want to be make pioneers, perhaps. Yeah. Um, and I guess the unspoken bit of it is we want to go to Mars because we. I think there's a there's an unspoken assumption or fear that our current living conditions on Earth may mm-hmm. not persist like that forever. Sure. Yeah. Um, and so, what are the substitutes for these use cases of like? adventure for adventure's sake and also basically existential risk risk mitigation. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And I think there's kind of a few a few options here that people could go to. Like rather than going to a whole new planet, there are kind of Earth-based apocalypse hedges too. So mm-hmm. think of things like underwater cities, for example, or even mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. going into areas that are currently um, – underexploited or kind of essentially unlivable on Earth in our current state of technology. So like deep in the desert or into Antarctica, or as you said before, like deep in the rainforest, something like this. So, and these are all still kind of pioneering um, spirits Mm. embracing things. And it's also, and they also act as a hedge against, okay, if we do have rising sea levels or if we do have, I don't know what, like some Mm -hmm. sort of apocalypse event. Exactly. being able to go underwater or retreat to these retreat to these currently inhospitable places is one way of mitigating that mitigating mm. that risk. Of course, it's not a perfect substitute because you still are vulnerable to essentially planet wide yes. um, extinction yeah. extinction events. Uh, but it's sort of at least in the short and medium term view these are these are directions that can kind of scratch that itch. I think. Yeah, interesting. And I guess you're right. It's 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 both hitting the apocalypse factor but it's also hitting the adventure factor. Exactly. Yeah. And it's sort of, I think it's it's lower on both of those spectra. Uh, the, right. Like, mm-hmm. the, you, it's much more adventurous and much better hedge to go to another to go planet. To, yeah, sure. But it's also it's also it's much, much more, more costly, right? Exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so that's the substitutes. And then the third force that he looks at that it's in this analysis is the bargaining power of customers. So mm-hmm. how much can customers say, 
no, like raise lower your prices or we're not going to buy any further anymore, rather. Um, I think the bargaining power is pretty low here. If, I mean, that goes with the natural monopoly, I right? think so, yeah. Like either if you want to go to Mars, we're your only choice essentially, yeah. like, like pay our price or... Or stay on Earth. Yeah, exactly. Go to your underwater city. Pretty much. (laughs) So you've got you've got pretty high or pretty low bargaining power from your customers. Another way of putting that is you have quite quite good pricing power for your own product. Mm -hmm. Yeah, makes sense. And then sort of the the flip side of that is Mm -hmm. how much pricing power do your suppliers have? How much bargaining power do they have? Mm -hmm. Um, And this, I think, I don't know the industry well enough to understand this completely, but I'm guessing this is fairly high. I'm guessing to get to Mars, there are some critical components, Mm -hmm. probably that only a handful of firms, if more than one, uh, supply. And right. I think this is actually sort of the SpaceX story. To the extent that I understand it, um, like Elon Musk looked at the cost of space travel and basically said, okay, look, just going from the raw components up, doing a kind of um, first principles analysis, it, like the space travel costs about 10 times as much as it should for buying the raw materials. Uh-huh. And it looks like that, I think, is a consequence Again, I may have misinterpreted this story, but from what Uh I understand, it's a consequence of the bargaining power of the suppliers. There were very few people who were able to make this stuff, and so their markups were huge. Yeah, right. And so, and there's some other factors involved, but so Elon Musk said, okay, if we're going to do this cheaply, we have to do it all ourselves, make all the stuff ourselves. And so the bargaining power of suppliers is high, and that means that you'll be in a position where either you have quite high input costs or potentially you have to insource a lot of stuff. So mm-hmm. that's kind of a point against maybe enter- entering this this industry. Right, interesting. Yeah. So, and I'm guessing what what the difficulty is is not necessarily getting the materials but producing the parts. Totally. Is I that... mean, the materials is just... So exactly, like, it's like metals m- and whatever. and stuff like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. It's like making the semiconductors or the specific yeah. heat okay. shields or... So the difficulty lies in really producing it's the like, things yeah, that are needed for building a spacecraft and um, like the, the parts of it and all that kind exactly, of Exactly, because okay. this is a high skill. This is a very, very, mm-hmm. very um, high-tech industry kind of thing that you yeah, need quite... Makes sense. And I guess it's also something that isn't very mainstream. So no. uh, <laughs> it's not like like there's not just going to be aerospace engineers like wandering around the streets of Berlin that we can go hire. Yeah, I think. exactly. Yeah. And uh-huh, then cool. so the last force then just to wrap up the analysis of the five is uh, this idea of competitive rivalry. Um, yeah. Like how many like existing entrants or existing comp- uh, competitors are there in this space? And so okay. this kind of this this sort of echoes the thread of new entrants a little bit. Like mm, it's, it's that's sort what of I was just thinking too. Yeah. Dovetails interestingly. Um, so there actually are kind of a couple of existing competitors in this space. Like there are there are companies who want to go and colonize Mars. Um, if we if we're a new one out there somehow, mm-hmm. there is as we said SpaceX. There's Virgin Galactic. There's I mean there's the government agencies. There's NASA or um, the EU Space Agency. Like there are there are a few bodies that are kind of potentially existing competitors who would compete right. with you on this, but I think the natural monopoly aspect of it means that it's a bit of a if you get ahead in this race, probably any sort of advantage starts to compound. So it's it's a bit of a it's a bit of a winner winner takes all market because of these mm-hmm. natural monopoly aspects. So the question to ask going in, and this is what I think we'd probably be spending the most time on if we were really entering this market is mm. 
do any of these firms have such an unassailable lead on getting to Mars that there's no point in entering at all? And we can't catch up anyway. Or potentially mm-hmm. is like is the work they've done sufficiently non-rival? Like, can we borrow? Can we kind of like leapfrog their pro- the, the, mm-hmm. where they are currently by borrowing from their progress and like and using the problems they've already solved on the way there to avoid having to invest that time and effort in solving those problems? I'm yeah. not sure, but I think this would be the critical one of the critical points about anal- analyzing this market. Is there is it is the competition already just too too cutthroat and too over oversaturated uh, for it to be worth entering as yet another Mars colonization mm-hmm. prospect firm? Interesting. So yeah, so once we've done this analysis, I guess that's I guess there's a better understanding of the market, and we then know okay, in theory would we want to enter this thinking about our kind of suppliers having lots of bargaining power? Is that is that a big no-no? Um, are there any others out like, there who are so far ahead that we can't do this? Exactly. Yeah. And I guess then the next step to look at, we've now got a good understanding of the market. We also want to get a better understanding of our target audience. And I think we've touched on that a little bit at the start. So we're looking at our, you know, sort of, new age pioneers and people who want a second chance but i guess that's the problem they that's want to the, solve that's but like, the, exactly that's more like who has that problem who is. has that problem exactly is the next thing we want to look at exactly. so um and i think there are probably a few characteristics that stand out from that target audience one of them is i would assume that younger people would want to go to mars more so than older people mm-hmm. so by younger i don't know if we want to put a put an age onto it i i wouldn't think that anyone much over 40 would want to go just in terms of lifespan and no just, idea how long it would take you to travel there and or just physical privation as well exactly. like i don't know if you can bounce back so well uh, from from what is probably a pretty intense trip <laughs> like yeah yeah very true um but also just i guess like you know, at a certain stage, you you're fairly settled into your life where you are. You've invested a lot in. I yeah. Earth. I like I, my parents are a bit over forty, but I can't see them wanting to I start. Mean, they fresh. don't want to move city, let alone like <laughs> exactly, <planet>. exactly. <laughs> so yeah, I think I think being younger and yeah. wanting and therefore like wanting and being able to build this new life sure. is important. Okay. Um. The second one is you want to be an adventurous person. Which I guess is correlated with the younger two as well, right? Probably to some extent. Probably, but I mean, not not everyone. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's, yeah. Um, You want to be someone who's willing to explore. I think also you want to be someone who's willing to take some hardship. For sure. Because um, this is not going to be a, this is not going to be a fun ride. I don't think. No, I think it can be a very rewarding ride. Sure. And but you want to be someone who's who can push through this and see kind of the value in it rather than someone who's you know is looking for comfort in the new place and all that kind of stuff i mean i think your your um, analysis or your reference to pioneers is exactly yes. the right one the ones who are who are blazing the the trails like, I don't know, into the American West or across the seas or down the Silk, Silk Road. These were not people for whom comfort was a high priority. No, it was adventure, a high-risk adventure. Like, discovery yeah. and putting their name on something. This this trumped comfort by several orders of magnitude, I think. Exactly. And had to do because this was a dangerous, uncomfortable... Yeah, you may not come back. Yeah. And, and, and same fact, with Mars. Probably, yeah, probably most of them didn't. And so, yeah. yeah. Exactly. And I think 
thinking about that, that's how I came up with the New Age Pioneers name sure. as well because I like it. of that. <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. The the next one kind of goes with that a little bit. Um, is a can do attitude, right? And so, that's more in terms of being quite willing to just like build something mm. and. I think being physically strong, perhaps, but also the mentally strong, I think here is really important. And that goes with the can-do attitude. Like just being, I guess, you want to stay positive and think like, yes, I can do this. I think as soon as you, if you're on Mars and you're like, oh, I can't do this, then that's, that's problems. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I guess you need to have that high sense, like to go with that, you need that high sense of agency, I think, right? Of mm-hmm. my problems like I, are soluble to, for me. Yeah. I, I can solve my own problems exactly. here and like I can drive this forward. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then the last one I wrote down was, um, has to be okay with uncertainty and risk, well, which yeah. again, kind of goes with that, but um, making this explicit, I think is important and for anyone who's a new age pioneer or someone who's looking for the second chance on Mars, they want to know that, you know, like there is a pretty high risk involved with this. We're doing this for kind of for the first time. This is a trial. We don't know what it's going to be like living on Mars, etc. So you want to be fine with all of that. Mm. Uh, and I mean, th- these seem like pretty good characteristics. And I think we could kind of... Uh, you could write a, an algorithm to, 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 or you could select your Facebook audience uh, mm-hmm. to, to find these people um, mm-hmm. or, or, or a Google ad to look for young, adventurous, can-do risk takers. Um, and I think, you'd fi- I think we'd find a few. This is a pretty big um, addressable I think- market. I would, I would think so. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's, I mean, it's a big world out there and there's like, those are not such restrictive characteristics that I think we've um, limited ourselves to two people. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. In fact, I don't think I'm in that list necessarily, but uh, I think we could find the people. I'll direct from mission control. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Product cool. manager needs to stay on okay. the ground. Okay. Um, so yeah. So, okay. I think um, we've now got a pretty good picture of the, the market that mm-hmm. we're trying to enter here. Like who, who's our target user? What does the market itself look like? And what's the problem mm-hmm. that we're solving? So yeah. this um, this has been kind of a bit of, as always, an illustration of what would in reality be a much longer, much more detailed conversation we'd have about this. But hopefully, yes. um, I think this has given us a taste uh, of the kind of discovery work we do around market analysis. Mm-hmm. As always, all the stuff we talked about today, the Porter's Five Forces and um, some of the sort of research that we did, we'll link to it on the website, on the blog post. You can find it there. Mm-hmm. And then up next week is our delivery episode where we're talking about pricing and packaging for our miles colonization. That's pretty exciting. I yeah, like this. It's as, really interesting. As a former economist, I love pricing stuff. And so <laughs> this is going to be one of my favorites uh, favorites of this uh, awesome. miniseries. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Me too. All right, cool. We'll, we'll talk to you next week about pricing and packaging. Yeah, then. take care and uh, see you then. See you then. Bye. Bye.